You're listening to Sports Tech Feed, the global sports technology podcast. Ridley Plummer, our second guest on these LinkedIn Lives with Sports Tech World Series, covering the most interesting, pressing, uh, important issues and, and breakthroughs in technology and sports. And Ridley is the Senior Manager of NFT, Metaverse, Web3 and Cryptocurrency at Tennis Australia. Uh, and obviously that includes the Australian Open. So welcome, Ridley. Thanks for having me. So... I said the last time we spoke, which was on Sports Tech Feed last year, that you have the coolest job title in sports, uh, which at the time, I think it was something along the lines of um, manager of of the metaverse or manager of NFTs. And now you've one-upped it and you've gone senior manager of NFT, metaverse, Web3, cryptocurrency at, at the Australian Open. So first of all, can you just outline for our viewers, what are your responsibilities and I guess what are some of the highlights? What does that practically look like in terms of working with with Tennis Australia and, and the Australian Open as the flagship event? Yeah, I keep saying to people, if we use business cards these days, mine would be the size of an A4 piece of paper. But uh, it's a bit of a mouthful. I think I've got on stage a couple of times and, and messed it up and, and tried to sort of get everything in there. But uh, no, look, it, it's a great position to be. And I think um, my remit as as sort of senior manager of NFTs, Metaverse, Web3 and cryptocurrency is to essentially explore what this new technology can be for Tennis Australia or the Australian Open uh, right now, but also into the future as well. So obviously, uh, the, the four kind of categories that we talk to there are, are very different, but they all kind of align. If you have the kind of Venn diagram and what that central point is between metaverse, NFTs, Web3 and cryptocurrency, uh, obviously blockchain being a big part of that. And then how we can use that as a, I guess, as a tool to better the consumer experience, talk to a wider range of audience globally, uh, give a global audience access to elements of the event that are, I guess, what we would call non-traditional. So what you may not see on a broadcast, for example, um, the ability using Metaverse Worlds to allow a consumer to choose their own adventure in a way. Uh, and then obviously, through sort of NFTs, uh, we have the AO Art Ball, and I guess allowing sort of a, a membership as such to the Australian Open and providing benefit to a consumer that that may want to own one of those um, and get benefit from being a part of that membership program. And so you mentioned the AO Art Ball. I, I guess that's probably the one that most people are familiar with, and for me, it's it's one of the most successful and innovative NFT projects to be released by a major sporting uh, organization. So can you give us an overview of that or a bit more of a detail of that and then an update on it being launched last year in 2022 and then what's planned for 2023? Yeah, so the AO Art Ball was a collection of 6,776 rendered tennis balls that we released in January, what is last year now? So about, about 12 months ago, almost, almost 12 months to the day actually. Um, we spun up this idea in November and December of, of last year when a couple of the executives at Tennis Australia came to me and said, hey, we know that you dabble around in crypto and NFTs a little bit. We know that there's a lot going on in the market right now. We'd like to make a bit of a play and, and see what you can do. Uh, and I sort of said to them, look, there's eight weeks to go before the event starts. What are you expecting right now? And I think a lot of what we were seeing in the market then was moments and it was i think nba top shot was kind of king of the moments at, at that point and what we found out very quickly was that we couldn't use tennis players and their ip and commercialize their ip rights in the way that many other leagues can because there is no central body or um, player association that represents all the players so we went back to the drawing board and and came up with this concept around the ao art ball which is as I said, a rendered tennis ball that then has artwork wrapped onto it. Each one of those tennis balls as an NFT is then tied to a 19 by 19 centimetre piece of the Australian Open Court. And then we took live match data from the ball tracking system, so Hawkeye, that told us where the last legal bounce or the match winning point landed for each match of the Australian Open. So there's about 400 odd matches that we were following. And then when we got the data from that match winning point and saw which plot it landed on, we then matched that with the NFT that it coordinated with and updated that NFT with a little piece of data that showed that it was a winning ball. So 
if, for example, you had the Ash Barty women's final winning ball, your NFT would get updated with a little holographic sticker that showed it was a winning ball. And then you would get a data update in the metadata that said it was Ash Barty's winning point from the um, women's championship or the singles championship, for example. Um, and that all came together really quickly. I think when we sort of built that out in December, January uh, of last year, we never really sort of had the the vision of what this could become one, two, five, 10, 15 years down the track. And that's what we've really focused on over the last six months or so is, okay, how do we, we've created this beautiful baby in the AO art ball. Now we need to nurture it. We need to grow it. We need to continue to keep it healthy. Uh, but we also need to reward the people that have purchased the ball, that have come to the community, that have, um, that now are a member of this community and are expecting, I guess, utility in some form beyond just the gamification aspect that we created of the match winning points. So what the plans are for AO23, which is just around the corner, only a week and a half away now, um, we will release another set of balls uh, next week. So when this comes out on podcast, it may have already been released but we're releasing another collection of and a much smaller collection and i'm sure we'll talk about a few of the factors that that come into play in this decision uh, later in the call but we're releasing a, a selection of 2454 new balls that will be branded and look different to the the existing 6776 but they'll form part of the existing collection so there'll be an add-on to the collection as an ao23 ball um, within that we spoke to the community at length about what their expectations were of the project, um, how we run it as a commercial business and what the benefits continue to be, all the while keeping in mind that we shouldn't dilute the marketplace too much, um, particularly those limited edition balls. Uh, so in that first 6,776, there was two limited limited edition collections. One was the legendary collection of which there was only 20 balls. The other was an artist collection of which there was 118 balls. So speaking with the community, they said, you shouldn't bring in any more legendary balls. You shouldn't bring any more artist balls. So we went out to a whole lot of different projects and partners and said, we want to create a collaborator collection now. And so the new 2,454 will include 115 balls from our collaborator collection. So we're collaborating with the likes of Nouns, Open Cyber, sorry, On Cyber, um, Open Dow, Luna. Um, we've also got Penfolds and Marriott from the Australian Open family, Crypto Chicks, Pummelex. There's a selection of about 15 different collaborators that will bring utility into our project and sort of form part of this new collaborator collection for so uh, so just on that so collaborators in the sense if you have the art balls and when i think collaborate i think custom art you know you get a local artist that comes and, and does something for that you mentioned utility so what what comes out of this collaboration yeah that's a great question so what we've done is work with each of those brands or projects individually to create a suite of utility that's unique to those specific balls so each of the collaborators will have either three, six or nine balls within the collection. And then we've basically said to them, to be part of this collaboration, you need to provide utility that's tied to each one of those balls individually. So for example, each of those balls will be unique in the way it's designed, whether there's uh, three, six or nine, they'll all be completely individual. So they'll have beautiful artwork on them. The likes of Marriott and Penfold, they're working with artists to bring that art to life that will um, um, make them kind of beautiful and set them really um, uniquely aside from the remainder of the generative collection. And then with the Web3 projects that we're working with, they're working with, I guess, their existing artists. They're also bringing their NFTs, their artwork, their brand guidelines to the balls as well. So there's some, some beautiful looking balls in the collection. And then what the utility is, is completely unique to each of those balls. So some we talk about, obviously, penfolds. They can provide things like access to limited edition collections, meet the winemaker, tours, um, discounts. Then you've got Marriott who can provide, um, I guess, prizing and gifting in the sense of 
um, free stays at Marriott for, for global holders as well. Um, points in the Marriott Bonvoy collection um, and then uh, upgrades, whatever that happens to be. I think the we're really lucky in this space and working with some great creative minds across different Web3 projects. The ideas that come out of some of these conversations are quite amazing. And, and literally just last night, we had a, a great conversation with the team from Nounsdow and some of the ideas that were thrown around in just the 30, 40 minute call are completely groundbreaking as far as what can be done when you put two projects uh, with very creative minds together and, and come up with some ideas about what you might do next and, and how the collaboration might work and how an owner of one of those balls may then effectively enter the, the nouns community through the AO Apple. So this is something that it's probably a good point to, to jump in and say, last year, one of the big takeaways that I got from it was not necessarily bringing tennis fans into crypto or into NFTs, into that world. It was taking people that are already familiar with Web3 and all these different initiatives and exposing them to tennis, I guess, and the Australian Open and everything like that, including things like the Decentraland um, Australian Open uh, metaverse experience where basically they could walk through uh, the Australian Open, the AO, go to all the stadiums, but in a, in a virtual digital setting when maybe they couldn't afford a flight out to Melbourne and then buy a ticket. And obviously also COVID at the time, um, you know, even if they could afford it, they physically couldn't get there. Uh, so is that still the case a year later? Is it still that position? Because I can imagine there's a lot of um, Penfold fans out there. And for those uh, international guests, Penfold is a, is a delicious uh, winery in South Australia. They make great wine if you ever see it. Um, but I imagine the cliche Penfold's uh, customer and fan, if you want to use that word, I can't imagine them being uh, that heavily into crypto. It, it, has, it, has it flipped or are we still trying to bring crypto fans into tennis? It's a great question. And I think we're sort of right on that precipice at the moment. And so, yeah, exactly what you said. When we launched back in January, the focus was bringing a new audience to tennis, which we also do through tennis as well and have done so well at the Australian Open over the last five to 10 years with how do we bring more kids into the sport? How do we bring more music fans? How do we bring more restaurants and dining fans uh, into tennis? And, and we know through the work that we've done that traditionally a tennis audience is a much older audience and it skews slightly female. So what we would love to do through tennis is bring that audience a little bit younger and more of a 50-50 market. So one of the strategies was, I guess, start bringing a Web3 audience to tennis. And I think we were incredibly successful in doing that earlier this year. What we sort of now see, particularly with the market downturn, is uh, I guess a, almost a disconnect from the Web3 audience and a little bit of, um, uh, I think we've seen a lot of the typical audience that was playing around in the NFT crypto space earlier in last year um, have probably disappeared this year. So we're sort of in that transition phase where we've created this membership token, essentially, that gives you great access to the AO. It gives you great access to exclusive experiences and entertainment as part of the AO. And now we need to transition that more into a traditional tennis fan who is going to get the most benefit out of the utility that we provide. So what we just announced a couple of weeks ago was that everyone that owns an AO Art Ball had the right to claim two complimentary seven-day ground passes to this year's AO. Oh, wow. So we're talking about upwards of $250 worth of value for every holder to claim two seven-day ground passes, along with tickets to the United Cup. Um, we'll do some AO Art Ball meetups at the tennis and then some exclusive VIP events alongside the tennis as well. So when we look at the utility that we're able to provide as a project, the benefit to a consumer is probably most sought after by a tennis fan in that instance. So as I said, we're sort of right on that precipice of how do we transition more from a focus on a Web3 community, which got the project up and running, to 
a tennis fan who may not know a lot about NFTs, may not know a lot about crypto, um, but may be looking to get into the project. And so one of our collaborators uh, in the new series is Collective Shift, who are an education platform or a crypto web three blockchain education platform who we will uh, use to onboard more um, tennis fans, let's call them, into the project over the next uh, probably six to 12 months. Is it is it something that it's actually in the terminology? Because as, as you've described it, so if I was, you know, the, the someone that was new to this and I didn't really understand any of the terminology, seeing as in your job title, you know, cryptocurrencies, Web3, NFT, all that kind of stuff, if I am, say not engaged in this or maybe, as you said, skewing older, a more traditional tennis fan, my only interaction with this is seeing headlines about crypto crashes and all sorts of, you know, not flattering news about the industry. And and it's certainly something that over the last 12 months, that excitement about Web3, most notably cryptocurrencies, has been replaced by a lot of disappointment and sometimes downright skepticism and I, I say and I say that at its best or its worst it's dislike like a lot of and we've seen in Europe um, especially with some some not so great fan token experiences and things like that the fans have have found themselves on the wrong side of um, I'm still very bullish on the technology and what it does and, and bullish on what you guys are doing so is it changing maybe some of the language? Like, is that one of those double-edged swords where you say, well, look at this amazing new piece of technology, NFTs. Yes, it's kind of very complex in terms of how the technology works and it does all these amazing things and it's unique and it's, you know, what is a fungible token, yada, yada, yada. Saying, hey, it's a digital membership in a way or it's a, it's a, it's a digital VIP card or is that in danger of kind of dumbing it down like how, how do you balance between the two is, is my question when educating new people but also saying that well this is something different and it's has like a utility it has something something beyond those traditional concepts yeah it, that's a great statement question because i think there is uh, a lot of change that's happened over the last six or 12 months with the language that we use in this sort of space and uh, people have certainly moved away from the traditional term of NFT um, more to digital collectibles. Uh, but we, we're we really lucky in the sense that the project that we're, and I should say we're, we're lucky and unlucky because we're lucky in the sense that the project has so many iterations that it is an NFT, it is a digital collectible, it is a gamified token, it is a membership, it does have utility, it does have a community there's so many aspects to that. How do we wrap that into one title? And we certainly have talked about it more as a membership over the last uh, probably two or three months as we've been announcing what the benefits of that membership are. I think one of the unique things about NFTs or digital collectibles in this sense and use of the blockchain and the technology is that if someone doesn't want to be part of that membership anymore, they can quite easily remove themselves or sell that token. If they live on the other side of the world and they don't feel like they're getting the benefit from it that they might if they lived in Australia um, or vice versa, they can easily put that token on the secondary market. You can't do that with your traditional membership, whether it's a membership to the Australian Open or the MCC or your local gym. Uh, Unfortunately, when you want to renege that membership, you give it up. what we're playing with now is this unique scenario where anyone can enter that membership community at any time simply by going onto the secondary market and buying that that ball, or they can exit that membership at any time. And then I guess what we're in a unique situation with as well is that we're going to continue to evolve the benefits of this project. So whether it's a seven-day ground pass this year or it's the entire AO next year or it's um, uh, another thing that we announced just last week or the the week before was that every match winning ball from AO23 so if you own the match winning ball from AO23 you'll receive two equivalent tickets to that match for AO24 so similarly with the AO Ashbarty example that I used earlier on if you own that ball you would then be entitled to claim two tickets to the women's final next year so the benefits that we can continue to add to the project um, certainly outweigh leaving the project, I believe. 
and it is a, a a true membership token. I think what, when we talk about fan tokens and team tokens, I think there was an expectation of what a consumer would get when you were investing into that. And I think there was a lot of, unfortunately, probably promises that were, were too strong or unkept that fans would ultimately have some control over the team or the decisions that were made, whereas um, with ours, we are completely in control. We do talk to the, the community about what their expectations are. And then we manage those appropriately. So I think um, giving uh, a sleigh of tickets to to everyone is a great uh, opportunity for us to reward the masses. But at the same time, we also want to provide memorable experiences, money can't buy experiences um, for also a global audience. We have to remember that we're talking to a global membership base here, not just four and a half thousand people that, that own the balls that all live in Melbourne. We've got people in New York, San Fran, um, Dubai, Singapore, Brazil, literally everywhere over the world um, that want benefit from being part of this membership. So we need to always keep an eye on on what we're giving those international holders as reward and utility as well. So as we continue to build that out, it's uh, we always liken it to the, the the local gym. If you're a member of the local gym and they buy 10 new treadmills, you get access to those treadmills because you're already a member. And then if two weeks later they buy another two rowing machines, you get access to those rowing machines. We'll continue to add new things to the membership base that give benefit to the members that are already there. Yeah, and that's interesting using that word member and membership um, because how that's viewed rather than, say, a collectible, um, you're not a member that's just a collectible you have. If you have, you go to an art gallery and there's 10 pieces of art on the wall by um, the same artist and then 10 different people buy them, you have nothing in common in terms of what that is. That That's just you are individual owners who like that and it's kind of very siloed. So I really like that idea about membership. And uh, we've got in the comments section, we've got uh, a comment around this, more around community from um, uh, David Murukumathra. Which is horrible that I can't mispro- I mispronounce his name, and he'll message me about this afterwards. So I apologize, David. I really do apologize. I tried live on air and I made an absolute ass of myself. Um, but the question is: sustained engagement seems to be an issue for NFT projects. A lot of engagement in the past has been fueled by speculation, and the decentralization in Web three can often mean issues with discoverability and user user experience (UX). You mentioned the collaborators program, which is a great way to decentralize marketing and utility. Any other lessons learned in keeping your community engaged? So really rolling off everything you've just said then. Um, so providing continuous utility. Are there other, are there other ways to keep this, in, this community, one, as a community, and two, as an engaged community? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's something that we've certainly, I, I would not necessarily say struggled with, but it has been a challenge, particularly because of the cyclical nature of our event. So the AO happens for two or three weeks in January and then the players all leave, the crowd leaves um, and everyone goes and focuses on other things, whether it be other sporting events or the next tennis swing, whether it goes to the clay courts or Wimbledon and whatnot, that's where the the eyeballs go as well. So I think keeping community engaged, particularly over the last 12 months where there has been this massive drop off in engagement of Web3 and NFTs in general has been a massive challenge. What we also see as a huge challenge there is the continued anonymity of Web3. So everyone that owns an AOR ball, because we sit on the ETH blockchain, um, they're effectively anonymous to us because they're represented as a string of letters and numbers that is their wallet address. They're not John Smith and his email is johnsmith at hotmail.com and his phone number is 1234. Um, we don't have that access to communicate to them on a one-on-one basis at all times. So, and so just the- jumping in here, just just so we clarify that, there is no way that you can, through their purchase of the AO up or contact them. Correct. Unless we so were to gonna- drop to their wallet that had a message on it wow. in the center that was like, hey, send us your email address and whatnot. Although we use Discord and Twitter. So Discord and Twitter, and for anyone yeah. on the doesn't know Discord or isn't familiar with Discord, it's essentially a 
a chat room, let's call it, where communities can come together and then um, sit within different servers. So we would have an AO Metaverse or AO Artball server. And then within that server, we'd have a series of different chat rooms where people can go and engage with the community. And there might be a Wimbledon server, an Australian Open, a US Open. There might be a server for music or movie interests. And basically, we can build rooms where people can go and converse about similar subjects. That's also largely anonymous as well because you have a, a name that represents you on the server, but that's not necessarily Ridley Plummer. Um, so I think one of the big challenges that we have in keeping communities engaged is communication. And I think there needs to be improvement in Web3 and NFT projects where the project and the project leads have more direct communication with the consumers or the members, like you would if you were a member at your gym and you get an email once a week or you get a text message to say, hey, the new trainers have just come in come and uh, come and test them out for us next week sort of thing. We want to be able to communicate one-on-one with our consumers to say, hey, everybody, ticket claims are now live. You've got two weeks to claim your seven-day ground passes. Rather than just post something in Discord or on Twitter that relies on that consumer or member going and seeking that information, we need to be able to get that information to them directly to keep them engaged at all times because there's some amazing things that we're adding to the project. It just relies on the consumer being engaged to come and seek those amazing things rather than us telling them directly and putting it on their phone as a text message yeah. or an email. So it's it's really putting out the AO bat signal um, and hoping everyone sees it, the AO NFT bat signal. And wow, so yeah. that's that's something I, I genuinely haven't, haven't considered um, and kind of understood that because obviously Discord's been a huge uh, platform for Web3 projects, NFTs, everything, just connecting that community, like you said, and then the communication. But definitely realizing the value that you get from this, you need to know that that exists in the first place. Is it, and also knowing a little bit about some of these communities is the traditional, in air quotes, uh, kind of crypto community, anonymity and not being able to be tracked and stuff. That's a huge benefit of it. That's like a huge core kind of tenant of this is that, yes, it's it's mine and I own it and I, and I have verifiable um, proof that it's mine. No one else can take it away from me, but I don't have to guess reveal myself with that. So that's something that I guess as it transitions towards more traditional fans where you're used to organizations knowing your data, you're used to handing over all of your information when you sign up for a membership or whatever else. Um, so that might, would that be something that kind of solves itself? Um, and the second part of that is, when people take you up on these offers, say for a seven-day ground pass, do they have to hand over their details to be able to access that? Yeah, great question. So I think in the first instance, we'll always give people the opportunity to provide that information if they want to. Yeah, uh, And I think that's the beauty of, of this space that we can say, go out to our community and say, if you want to be kept up to date, please let us know the information on which we can communicate back to you. But by no means do you have to tick that box and supply us with that information. You may just not be a benefactor of the the utility that comes if you don't see the announcements when we make them. And then as far as, I guess, ticketing claims and whatnot, we actually, we're still governed by the Ticketmaster system for the event. So when someone signs up to claim their two seven-day ground passes uh, or their United Cup tickets, et cetera, we do need to, them to provide us with a little bit of information in order to get that ticket to them. So at minimal, that will be an email address in which the Ticketmaster server will uh, drop those tickets into their account and then they can redeem those, those tickets. Yeah. So there is a little bit of information transfer, but I think obviously working for an organisation like TA and the AO, there's an incredible amount of trust that comes with that. Uh, the brand that's tied to it and the IP that is tied to it and the fact that we're such a long-standing organisation and very trustworthy organisations, I think for the most part, when people are gaining this utility from the project, they're more than happy to provide that information to a trustworthy source that's not just some random project that they've aped into that's a couple of guys in their basement sort of making JPEGs and blockchain. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's it's also, I mean, I, I analogize it to uh, biometric security, that it's one of those things that sports fans, some people that freaks them out. And then other sports fans go, well, if I can scan my palm or my you know, facial recognition or whatever else, if I get my beer quicker and get back in my seat and watch the action, here you go, just take it, just take my data. Like, let's go, let's, let's kind of move with this, that it's, um, if you have faith in the organization, also they have all the security and stuff like that, but there is a real kind of trade-off for that. Um, then that makes a lot of sense. And um, certainly people that don't want to give up their, their data, I doubt they're going to be attending an event, a big public event like that anyway. Um, so that's, that's one of those things with the trade-off. And, and that's really interesting to see that uh, just from our kind of 30 minutes chatting is over the last 12 months is that that shift from crypto kind of enthusiasts to traditional tennis enthusiasts and how it's, it's essentially starting to mainstream, even though it's gone through the market as a whole has gone through a correction, a downturn, whatever else you want to call it. Um, it's really encouraging to see that shift happening. Um, is, is that something that with future iterations of this, uh, is it innovating within what you've got at the moment? So releasing more AO art balls and going, well, we can give more um, utility to, to holders of them and just doing it that? Or where's the next, I guess, frontier that you're pushing towards? Yeah, there's there's probably a few things that we can we can talk about in that sense. And I think as we we go more towards a traditional tennis fan, there's there's things that that tennis fan seeks out of the project that maybe a traditional web three audience doesn't necessarily seek out of the project as well. So that is more access to behind the scenes, more access to choose your own adventure in AO circles, player meet and greets, um, more data. I think data is such a, a rich part of the sport or sport in general. And what you do with that data and how it becomes meaningful to a consumer is very different for a tennis fan versus a Web3 native. So as we continue to sort of evolve the project going forward, we need to, I guess, that that snowball that keeps gaining snow as it rolls down the hill, it that those bits of snow that attach onto it need to talk to a whole different audience as we evolve. And so we're doing some things this year to test out with a a project called Supersite, which will only be accessible by owners of an AO art ball, but it'll be um, on-court cameras. It'll be behind-the-scenes footage that you don't get access to anywhere else. It'll be um, data visualisation of match-winning points. Uh, it'll be 3D and 2D visualisation of ball-tracking information from on the court that, I guess, owners can analyse as part of their involvement in the community as well. So what we want to do is, is also listen to that community and see what they want out of a membership like this. And this also goes back to the point of if we've got owners that aren't going to be in Melbourne and can't physically come to the event, how do we continue to provide them value over and above claiming their tickets? And one of the features that we added into the tickets was the ability to transfer. So obviously... You live in the US, but you've probably got some friends back here in Australia. If you own an AOR ball, you claim your two seven-day passes. You can then transfer those seven-day passes to your friends back in Melbourne and give them a gift as a result of being part of that membership. But then you would still get the benefit of having access to SuperSite, having access to AO Decentraland, etc. Um, along with obviously the ability to potentially mint one of the collaborator collection balls that would give you ongoing utility in those collections as well. So we're incredibly lucky in this space that I think creativity is really limited by your imagination. And when we get the team together and we brainstorm what comes next, the amount of ideas that come out are quite unbelievable. And then we need to sort of go back to the drawing board and go, well, okay, these are amazing ideas, but this bundle here is great for everyone that lives in Melbourne. We need to pick one of those, two of those, and then we need to focus on everyone that lives in the US and Europe and everywhere else. And how do we give them value? What does their typical Australian Open experience look like right now? And for the most part, that is broadcast on TV, uh, maybe using the AO app, maybe using the OddsOpen.com website. 
But when you talk about broadcast, the broadcaster tells you exactly what they want you to see. And 95% of what you see is from three cameras. It's the main camera down the court and it's the cameras that look back at the players. The AO has so much more to it than just what's happening on the court. So how do we actually use the 250 to 300 cameras that we have at Melbourne Park to allow an AO art ball member to choose their own adventure and pick what they want to see from those cameras, whether it's the press conference, whether it's the, the player arrivals area, the stretch zone, the gyms, the practice courts, etc. Let's give them the keys to the precinct and allow them access when they may not be able to get there in real life. So, I mean, that sounds like, a, as a tennis fan, that sounds like a fantastic way to experience the event, either from home, say I was back in Melbourne or in home in, in Austin, Texas, is being able to just customise my, uh, my, as you said, my Australian Open experience. So why run that through an NFT project with the art balls? Why not just run that through some sort of traditional membership or subscription service or, or something like that? Why, why put that as a benefit on um, NFTs? Great question. I think we're, we've got the ability to innovate and trial things really quickly in this space and talk to an audience that is engaged in getting that experience out of being part of that membership. So I guess when we talk about a traditional subscription service, it would require someone to sign up for something, probably pay for it as well. What we can do is, is test and learn through the AO Art Ball project. So if Supersite, as a benefit this year to AO Artball holders only, gets an amazing amount of traffic and engagement, and then we actually build that into ozopen.com forward slash Supersite next year and give every tennis fan across the world access to the Supersite, if the learnings that came from what we did this year uh, then flow into next year, that for us is is a huge success and we do that at the event as well in real life we we use the event and we use our smaller events to test things so for example it's not just the things that happen around the tennis we originally tested the hawkeye technology before any of the other grand slams we then tested the line calling technology without lines people on the court before anyone else and we do that all the while learning and then with the idea of implementing it at more of a map scale so it, the same thing for all about esports games that we do and, and so many of the other elements of what we do at and around the ao we always want to test and learn with a with a, a niche market before we actually put it into mass market because a lot of this stuff takes significant time and investment to bring to life and if we're talking about dropping something like this onto ozopen.com which probably has upwards of a million hits through january we need this. We need to know that it's going to work. We need to know that it's stable, and we need to know there's an audience there that that wants this as well and wants the experience, whether they're prepared to pay for it or not as a subscription service. That's a whole other whole other kettle yeah. of fish we can talk about. So too. it's it, it's having a engaged community audience that have bought into this, and you clearly know how many there are. Um, and you can then test what is truly engaging. And I think to your point earlier is, is you'll see that because it's it's not as in your face necessarily a lot of the benefits. So the ones that actually get used are the ones that people will gravitate towards and really um, capture their own steam in the community. So flipping this on its head, one of the other questions we've got is um, from uh, John Ganshaw. Uh, so do you see a role for NFTs as part of fan loyalty programs? For example, rewarding fans for watching live broadcasts to encourage more tune-in and drive ratings, which I think I might riff on this is something that I've talked about before on the on the podcast is if you have a fan in Singapore, wherever else, a fan here, a fan in the UK that's got to have a, an early morning shift or a very late night shift to tune in to, to Down Under, um, if they can log in through this, verify themselves through their NFT that it is them, um, log in so you know that that's that is that then they can unlock further benefits from that um, as a yeah as a as a as a global uh, fan loyalty membership program? I think the short answer is yes, absolutely. I personally see loyalty, uh, whether it be consumer loyalty or membership loyalty in any any form, 
being probably the biggest benefactor of this technology. And as we said earlier, the ability for someone to build their loyalty uh, and then potentially even on sell it or for someone to enter a loyalty program at a higher level that they may not have otherwise been able to achieve purely because of the way the blockchain system works, I think provides huge benefit to not just the consumer, but also the business that is providing a loyalty program. And I think we've seen this with Starbucks and their release over the last couple of months and their plans going forward, but also the AOR ball and how we do build more of a loyalty membership program out of that. And does that mean that someone that holds an AO22 ball along with an AO23 ball is more of a gold membership rather than a silver membership. And if you then add a 24 ball to that collection, are you a platinum member? And then what do those different tiers of membership get you as a result of being a platinum member? Or do you simply go into OpenSea, buy a 22 or 23 or 24 to automatically get that platinum membership without actually having to go through the rigmarole of, watching more matches, engaging with the sport, um, I don't know, doing fantasy tipping or whatever that looks like as well. There's, there's so many different elements in the way that we can reward a consumer for their loyalty in this instance. So as we continue to build out the membership, I think loyalty, fantasy, um, ongoing engagement is really important. And I think we're, we're lucky that a sport like tennis has so much data that we can then build in systems that create engagement and loyalty ongoing time and time again throughout the year, not just in those two weeks of the Australian Open. Yeah, and as to your point earlier, is there balancing it between people that are physically present in Melbourne for those couple of weeks every year and then people that are overseas and just might not have the opportunity to, to make the trip. So how do you then customise what they're awarded for and then what they're awarded with? I think that's a really interesting, um, the, I guess the, the, the pricing discrimination, the, the dynamic pricing on that is actually going, well, let's, let's reward this community for tuning in at three in the morning. Um, but then for the Melbourne community, hey, you got to show up physically and then we'll reward you for that like there's other ways that you can balance between the two yeah really interesting point thank you uh john for the comment it's a tough um, balance as well because you're you're talking to a such a wide-ranging community that um all wants all wants benefit and they all want as much benefit as as they can possibly get as a as an individual so we have to we have to balance that out when we're creating the project and creating those benefits as well to ensure that we are i guess um, talking to everyone as equally as possible and not providing additional benefit or extra benefit to someone else who, who may purely be located in a different part of the world. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And final question for you now, um, and I will say for anyone tuning in, if, the, if you want to leave a comment, uh, do so now before we wrap up. Uh, what's the kind of key advice for, for other teams, leagues, organisations, national governing bodies, anyone else in the in that um, sports rights property role for either dipping their toe into the water or jumping in headfirst in terms of a project like that you've done? I think education is probably the biggest thing. And this is a, a, a space right now where you really need to like learn by doing uh, I was really fortunate in the way that tennis approached me to take on the role. Uh, I'm and and have had a lot of conversations with different sporting bodies, organisations, traditional Web two style brands. Um, we talked about Penfolds and, and married earlier. Penfolds released an NFT collection even before we did ours. Like they were so far ahead in in what they were doing and their exploration in this space that they are now two, three, four steps ahead of any of the other brands that are even considering their education dip the toe in the water phase right now. So I think it is for a lot of brands, it's find that person internally at your organisation who, who knows your brand, who knows your consumer, knows how the business works, but is also exploring NFTs, crypto, blockchain, and can probably have a really honest and transparent conversation with you about what the benefits of the technology could be for your business and 
I don't think it's going to be a solution for everyone. Let's be honest. I think not, not everything is in any instance or any industry. There's plenty of industries out there right now that are already using blockchain technology. They're already accepting cryptocurrency as payments. Um, but there's plenty out there that that will never be relevant for, or certainly not in the next one, two, three, five, ten years anyway. But going through that education phase right now, while the technology is still very much in its infancy, I think is really important to get that one step ahead of your competitors uh, and just uncover what the possibilities are of membership-based digital collectibles or blockchain tech or being able to accept cryptocurrency. Like I know through through the AO shop in the next probably six months, we'll probably start accepting cryptocurrency as payments for merchandise. And it's such a simple execution because we use the Shopify system the Shopify backend already has cryptocurrency built into it. So all we really need to do is tick a box and turn it on and away we go. Um, it, there's some really easy paths to market where brands can also talk to a consumer about what they're doing and why they're doing it, whether it's for increased security, increased transparency, um, just learning about technology as well. And I think asking that question of could it be and should it be, or should it be and could it be? Um, I think it always can be, but should it be? I think needs to be asked really like diligently that, yes, if it's there, you can use it, but do you have to use it? The answer is not always yes. And I think particularly as we go through the, the growth of the technology and more people are using it, more people are interacting with digital wallets, more people are owning cryptocurrency, um, we need to, I guess, respect that audience as much as possible because they're an incredibly savvy audience right now and they will see through something that's not being done for the right reasons. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, uh, it's interesting that it's not, it's not going away. I mean, it's one of those things that is, as much as we were talking about earlier, the headlines and there's, there's some scepticism, there's some downright distrust. Um, it's really not going away in terms of, of what this means for for many parts of our lives um it's just trying to figure out like you said what really needs it as a priority or what could be what could improve it um and what maybe should be second third fourth fifth um kind of down the line uh we've got uh from mark courtney final comment here uh or question sorry uh is there much legal protection for nfts in australia Good question. Um, so this is a bit of a grey area at the moment. It depends on, I guess, what you're doing and what element of the legal protection you're talking about. So um, there's so many factors that come into play, whether it is security, um, security for the business, security for the owner of the NFT, IP rights, whether that is the business handing over IP rights to the owner of that NFT and what rights do they have to use the IP commercially. Um, there, there's a whole lot of, I guess, specialists that I like. I use that term very loosely because I typically wouldn't call anyone in the the crypto blockchain space necessarily a specialist right now. I think we're all still learning. But as far as um, I guess the legal application of NFTs and the rights of a consumer or a business, yes, it is still quite great. Um, Blockchain Australia is fantastic as a resource to um, seek out what's possible, uh, what implications there may be as far as um, legalities go with ownership, IP rights, investment, uh, but also there's obviously the factor of, of revenue that comes in there as well. When you do mint an NFT collection or you sell them, there's revenue coming in. That can be coming in in the form of cryptocurrency, which obviously has different implications for your accounting team um, versus coming in in Australian dollars or US dollars, which again is treated differently. So um, there are a, a lot of resources out there. Uh, I can go back and look at some of these comments on the, the thread and I can provide any yeah. of the, the questions with a couple of answers or possibly some people to talk to um, who we've used and, and um, I would certainly advocate for in, in asking some more technical questions, particularly with regards to accounting and legal uh, when it comes to 
this Web3 space as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's there's things around legal protections for in terms of I own it, it's my asset if I buy it, and then legal protections about they just happen that just happen whenever you use someone's IP in terms of a brand or a or an entity that it, it wouldn't matter if it was a promotional cup um, that you buy from the gift shop or if it's an NFT. There's all those considerations. So some are more simple to uh, to answer, um, and then some are a little bit more complex or grey. And I think that also comes down to organisations risk profiles as well in terms of, well, what's the worst case scenario with this? What are we happy with? Um, so, but as you said, find someone who can, um, has, has expertise in this or at least expertise to, to the point. So uh, thanks everyone. I think that's, uh, I think that's all the comments. Gonna have one last check, but big thank you to Ridley Plummer for, uh, for joining us today. Uh, it's been a really, oh, no, we've got a bunch of comments coming through just as I've said to go. Oh, yeah, no, there we go. Yeah, just mentioning about some of the, the lawyers that um, specialise in IP rights um, for World Bowls there. So whether it's, it's and that's over in the UK and whether that's similar in Australia or not. Uh, but really, thank you so much. Always a pleasure to chat to you. The, uh, the man with the most interesting title in sports um, and backs it up with some really cool stuff and seeing that utility um, come through for for the AO uh, ball holders, seeing it evolve into more of this membership community um, for tennis fans and, and hitting the mainstream. And I think that's a, a really nice note to start 2023 on and point to this as a, um, as a success story within this and how this can actually be used um, to enhance the experience for fans, um, connect fans globally, and then obviously be a benefit for uh, organizations in sports that are that are wanting to connect and including their brand partners as well. I think that's something that's really important is how do you authentically bring in other partners that are in there? Um, so they're, they're kind of my key takeaways. But thanks so much, Ridley. Uh, any uh, kind of parting thoughts or, or we'll let you go and get on with your day? No, just thanks for having me. And, and look, if anyone who's been listening in or, or watching along, um, wants to connect or has any questions, please feel free to reach out. I think we're we're all going through a phase of education together. And, and if I can help out at all, please don't hesitate to, to reach out. Yep. And Ridley's putting the uh, NFT bat signal out on, was the 8th, 9th and 10th of January, I think, for the, the latest drop. So keep an eye out for that. What's exactly, the best way yeah. that people can um, jump in and, and get themselves one? Yeah, depending on where you are in, in the world, there's a... Um, we're launching the next collection on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of next week, which I think will be the 9th, 10th, 11th. Um, and then, so if you did want to purchase an AO22 art ball off the secondary market, I'd suggest just jumping on OpenSea and searching out AO art ball and keep an eye out for the blue tick against that. And then if you were looking to get involved for the AO23 collection, you can head to artball.io and that will lead you to the new site for all the minting details. You can access our light paper there. It'll give you all the information about the project, all the benefits within the project, and then what we're looking at going forward as well. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Ridley. Enjoy the rest of the day, and thank you for joining us at Sports Tech World Series. Thanks for having me.